tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, Helix fans. Welcome back to the Helix After Show at AfterBuzz TV. I'm out here to ask you a question. Do you know the way to San Jose? I'm in love with Alan, so I believe I know the way to San Jose. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Julia. Why does Julia sound like Alan now? Everyone sounds like Alan. Guys... It's how I developed the virus. We're talking about the season finale here on AfterBuzz. Guys... Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. Uh, you can tweet at me throughout the broadcast at that Zach Wilson and forever from here on uh, till the year tw- the, the, for the 10,963rd day. Um, yeah, but you can also follow this and all of the YouTube the uh, AfterBuzz shows on YouTube at youtube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Now let me introduce my fantastic panel before I get too long-winded. Hey, Steven guys. Lemieux. I'm Stephen Lemieux, and... I'm glad to be here. Dude, it's another season, though. Oh, my yeah. God. Across the table. Hey, guys. I'm Liz Rishmaui. You can follow me on Twitter at Lizzie Maui. That's L-I-Z-Z-Y-M-A-W-Y. And we are super excited to welcome back Yay. Helix showrunner Stephen Maietta. Hello. Woo. How are you doing? Hey. Very good. Thank you. Good How does it feel? Oh, it feels wonderful. Feels very good. It's just a, get those, another season under the belt. Get those ziz juices flowing exactly. and start on writing season <laughs> exactly three. Exactly right. Well, knock on wood. Well, what's going to happen in season three, Steve? Tell us right oh, now. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> now, in season three, uh, I can I can tell you if if we are so fortunate to get a season three, it will be um, you'll, there'll be things you recognize and there'll be things that you don't. Sergio better come back as a cyborg. <laughs> as we've seen in season two, dead is not really dead exactly. Like, so, but a so cyborg would be cool. Terminator be cool. Genesis tie-in. Got yeah. it. Okay, I like it. So just to be clear, because I know everybody's going to be asking, there's no word yet. There's no word yet. Okay. Officially, no word. So yeah. we know nothing. Gotcha. So don't bug us. No, I'm kidding. You can bug us, but we, we don't know. <laughs> well, because uh, last year you joined us at the same time yep. for the finale, and at that time you guys were... Between uh, between then and then, actually, you you had just gotten the pickup. Just gotten the pickup, right? um, and that was a very exciting time. Yep. So between then and then, writing season two, how much changed? Do you think? Like, how was it a completely different concept? Or um, I mean, we we went in right after we got the pickup. Uh, I, I went in with with Ron Moore into um, sci-fi, and we we pitched a take uh, on the show and and how to kind of reboot and. Uh, reset the show in some way and what was going to happen now that Arctic Biosystems was completely blown up and they liked it and we you know they had notes and thoughts for us and then we dove back in cool yeah. so what what did you want to accomplish with season 2 when you you're going into a show that you end up with such a cliffhanger and it's so far in left field i question whether you knew where it was going or not so like i want to know like did you have to kind of quickly pull out your notebook like all right guys we got a season 2 what the hell are we going to do? I'm really upset you didn't make him sound like Batman, too. No, I wouldn't do that to Steve. Thank you, I appreciate that. No, we, um, we, we definitely have had an idea where we were going, as we have an idea where we'll be going if we get a season three. Um, but a lot of it then 
started to develop and percolate as we were starting to talk about story percolate. and break story. Yeah, like we were percolating. Um, so we, yes, we knew. Yes, we came up with a lot of new stuff once we got word. <laughs> and so we have an idea or two for for season three, but it will all just depend on on the pickup or not. So how did you cool. kind of decide who to bring back and who to leave dead, who to bring back and kill, and who to bring back as a ghost during Boyle Monster? <laughs> of course. Um, we wanted to bring back everybody as much as possible. Um, we, yes, we brought back Everybody's a lot awesome. of folks. Even the dead ones uh, came back in some capacity. And there were a couple of, of folks that we were not able to use as much uh, as we wanted to. And that was just a process of breaking story and figuring it out. We, we wanted to use Miguel Fairbrother, uh, mm-hmm. who plays yeah. Daniel, and, and to look a lot more than we were able to do. We just couldn't figure out a way to make that story work. And the same with um, Biaceros, Mark and Ime's character. We got him in there, but we could not figure out a way to get him in as much as we wanted to use him. Yeah. So, so when you're breaking a, a new season like this, how does what goes into the decision to let's like, create a new character? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So, whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like Dr. Summers, mm-hmm. as opposed to like putting Biaceros, let's say, into that um, role. We, we, want, we, we actually talked about that, and, and one of the things that we came up with in, in talking through the potential storyline, and, and okay, we're transplanting the entire show to this island in the, off the Pacific Northwest and into this abbey, and trying to figure out how to, especially once we decided that we were going to pull Julia back into the future and do the future stuff with her for the first part of the season, then it was like, where does Biaceros fit into this? And mm-hmm. we could not, without really you know, jumping the island shark, figure out a way to get Biaceros in in a way that felt organic. So that's why we ended up putting him with Julia in the present-day story and bringing him in that way. Yeah, I have to ask, um, I, I found that this season had a little bit more comedic uh Parts than we we got with uh, last season. I mean, there was you know frozen monkeys, but that had mm. a. And you thing can't beat itself. awkward window. You really can't. <laughs> yeah, I know. I but, missed awkward window. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, we had some awkward. We had awkward uh, pulpit, and we had Sergio yeah. staring out over awkward office. And we office. also had right. awkward door where it's like smash the glass. <laughs> there was a lot of glass smashing. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I just want to know, like, was it was it a an idea or just it came up as the episodes were written by each of the you know the writers to have those comedic moments because I'm still laughing to the fact of um, you know. Um, Oh gosh, help me uh, with me. Um, Miguel, yeah, Daniel, Miguel, Daniel, and and Hitake, like, do 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 like that was just it was hysterical. But like, I mean, are these things that just came up as they were written, yes, or yes, just like that came up as they were? We written. have five minutes, guys. Put this in. It's no, hysterical. no, it was it was it was really. <laughs> we just talked about um, uh, a thing to do with those two characters, and then as they were going to be traveling and having a conversation, the idea came up. Wouldn't it be funny? This is just like like uh, you know Sheriff Andy and Opie yeah. walking down the road, and they were like, "Wait a second! If we can get that song, yeah. because of course the music is such an important part of the show." Yeah. So one of the one of the things that talking from a devil's advocate standpoint, um, one of the things that people kind of worry about when they are doing a second season that's in a completely different setting mm. is when you try to bring in those characters from the previous season so hard. Do you think that kind of pigeonholes you as a writer into? 
kind of changing the story into a way just to get them in as opposed to moving the story ahead where you thought it would go in the beginning? Not not necessarily. I think that uh, we, we, we love those characters from first season and we wanted to try to, if we could come up with an organic way to get them in, we would. If we couldn't, we decided, you know what, we're just going to hold back and not use a character as much. I mean, Taluk was a character that we wanted to get into the show. We just couldn't do it. And so rather than try to force him in in some way, we said, let's hold back. But hey, we could have this fun thing with Hitaki. If Hitaki is truly losing his mind in episodes three and four, let's do a thing where we have Jay back, we have Daniel back. He's wearing that same sweater. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. So we could have fun with that. <laughs> what was the... Because um, what I'm wondering is when you have a season one that has so much of a... Like, you're building a world. Mm-hmm. And especially with a new show like this, you have to build a believable world that brings in characters and takes them out in the same kind of believable way and not has them just, you know... Uh, I don't want to reference another show, but just brings them back out of blue because they're alive again for no mm. reason. <laughs> Once upon a time. Um, so, <laughs> so when yep. you're building this world, was there any kind of a decision process when you were thinking, you know, I really like this character mm. and I want them in season two, but I feel like if we forego them in season two and bring them in in three... We can kind of have, they've been living these, this whole throughout season two doing something else. We can focus on them in season sure. three. Yeah. So are there any characters that we're expecting to see in season three that have been busy during two, but we mm. didn't see them? I mean, the, the one I would say we'd want to bring in for sure is to look. And mm-hmm. what has he been up to and what's been going on with the search for the Inuit children and all that stuff because we weren't really able to service that subplot on the island. That was one that we talked about trying to get into in in some way and we just couldn't do it. It was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. So we're going to pull back on that. That's a mission that's happening off camera for season two. If we get season three, we'll, we'll dive back into it. So why didn't we have Sergio in on that mission though? We wanted to have Sergio in, and we also needed to have Julia uh, have someone to bounce off of in the present-day story, literally mm. and figuratively bounce off of. Ha! So that's why we pulled Sergio off and into that. And we actually had a little Anana and Sergio runner that mm. we even we, we wrote it. We ended up pulling back on the writing of it for budgetary reasons, and we shot one scene with them that then, once it got into the show, it was it was right before they left for the island, before um, uh, Julia and Biaceros head to the island. We, we watched it in the show and went, this has no place in this show, unfortunately. There <laughs> yeah. was a really nice scene between them, but it was only one scene. And since we couldn't do an entire storyline with them in that episode, it just felt like, eh. Everybody likes doing. banana. But yeah. Everybody likes banana. Everybody loves yeah. banana but Sometimes yeah, it just doesn't fit on the island. Right. So season um, one, let me, I'm sorry, Zach, I'm kind of taking over here. <laughs> so season one, the setup is everything leaves off. You have them all trying to figure out what's going on with Ilaria, and we get... Julia at the conference table right. with her ring finger, missing finger, and she's at the glass, and you like, holy crap, Julia's with Ilaria. Right. From that moment, was the plan always for Ilaria to have been playing Julia the entire time? No, that's actually something that came to us as we were breaking story, and what we thought going in was that, okay, let's see if Julia is in fact sitting at that conference table at the end of season one and saying, shall we begin? It's like, wow, she's gone such a long way in the in the past 15 months since the end of season, uh, season one happened, or eight months or whatever it ended up being, that by the time we then got to the start of two, it was like, all right, let's see how far she's gone and has she fully drunk the Ilaria Kool-Aid, which in fact she had. So we were trying to come up with the the interesting arguments about what does it mean to be a part of Ilaria is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What does it mean to be immortal? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And really have that conversation because in, in season one we didn't have that much of an opportunity to do it. It was more like, holy crap, I'm immortal. Now what do I do with that? Yeah. Season two was really about, with those characters anyway, about the debate of is immortality a good thing? Is it the worst thing in the world uh, that yeah. has ever happened? So, 
Look at Alan's face when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, Neil would like us to say hello to the madman. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Neil. Oh, Neil. Um, Shout out to Neil. Seriously, Neil, Neil, you made me hate you in this season, and that's an amazing feet for somebody because I love you so much. So that's for your acting and commitment to this part, kudos. Yeah, if you take, made me hate you. If you take Neil and rearrange the letters, you get Eli and... What? Eli, yeah. I like Elin? that. I thought of that. <laughs> See, we knew it all along. No, somebody actually if in the chat has said... you half the N and turn it sideways, it turns into a V so you can write evil. Somebody in the chat's actually been like, uh, you do know if you take the H and the X out of Helix, it's Eli. <gasps> I solved it! It's I solved planned. it! It's like... Yes, look at you, it. you found it. You found our <laughs> you, evil plan right there. Um, awesome. well, so, so some of the season two plotlines sort of came as you were breaking the story. Absolutely. How do you approach, like... Because you didn't know, and you still don't, that see, if season three is mm-hmm. coming. Right. How do you write no, like write a finale? It's really hard. I mean, that's one of the, that is one of the things about episodic television is unless you're a monster hit, you just don't know if you're going to be coming back season after season. And so you can either wrap it up in a nice little, little bow and hope, or what we do is we just hang it out there and say, okay, cliffhanger, yeah. you know, here it is. Look, <laughs> yeah. Sarah in the future, and and hope that we are able to then tell those stories and pay it off. Yeah. Were you worried that was a little bit too similar to season one's cliffhanger? It is similar. Um, I like it because it's it, it gets way out there into a place. I, I feel it, it sort of elaborated on the conference room and took it into this place that was like big and sci-fi and like way, way that out there. That was so cool. I love yeah. the effects in that scene. She's like baby crazy Hitaki now. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it was really cool how... Um, Maybe crazy to talk. <laughs> I also wondered, there was part of me that almost thought or assumed, I mean, it makes sense that they didn't, but part of me was wondering, when I knew it was Jordan when you know before she turned around, mm-hmm. and part of me was wondering if her eyes would be silver in that scene, if they would just kind of be more open about it, like these are people, like if Laurie became really big and if they were running the world as they were, were immortals such a big deal or not? You know, so I was. I, did you guys kind of think or question we whether or not when that. she turned around, yeah, her eyes would be it. silver or not? I thought that I knew, I kind of had a feeling they wouldn't be silver just just because they're still portraying this image that they're the that yeah. it was a doctor's office right, and we're here to help you. Gloria Fresh, Gloria yeah. Fresh. Oh my gosh, that's what they can do for Sergio in the next season. They can he, if he's like um, one of those like like. Um, you know, the, the thing where the computer does, like, an image or something, and he's a like, hologram. Hello. Yeah, hologram. Welcome to Laria. And they just, you know. <laughs> I like it. The, <laughs> o- the only thing I had a problem with this episode was the Ilaria Fresh logo. Uh-huh. Um, the logo? Whoever your graphic designer is, I will slap him. Because he spent <laughs> maybe 30 seconds on that freaking thing. It felt very corporate just and kind of vanilla. Outsource, you think that that's yeah. a commentary outsource on corporate it to America. Me. Yeah, it is. It is, in fact. <laughs> just let me slap him. No. Um, <laughs> and by the way, did you recognize the uh, the voiceover on uh, the Alaria Fresh commercial? Anyone? Anyone? Should it we? did sound familiar. You but should recognize. I you should recognize. We had a very special uh, voice appearance by Jerry Ryan. It was Jerry oh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. was. Who was kind enough to do that for us, and we that thought because so awesome. we were going to get get someone from the loop group to record it, or just you know. Yeah. I thought it was seven of nine. There you go. <laughs> that raises so many questions. No, but right? it, it, it makes sense with Jordan's character because she's in this position where she's got a forever fetus. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's kind of happened to the forever fetus right. at this point. We're assuming that. Uh, Fans have figured out some way with all the tech and stuff yeah. going on. You'd think so. I, I certainly am not sure that by 2029 we would have gigantic car garages with cranes for pregnant oh, but everything women. Everything else is completely but understandable. I, the the significance no cars, just giant baby garages. The significance of the uh, what is it, the comparison of 
what Michael was doing mm-hmm. to what Alaria is yes. doing was not lost on me. You have Michael just does it in a basement and right. takes out all their teeth. <laughs> Basically, Alaria <laughs> is doing it at this state of the art facility, but. In reality, really, they're taking these people, locking them up for eight, nine months, and breeding humans. Correct. So it's a very big... Voluntarily. Voluntarily, mm-hmm. and also, it's it's a lot different. He wanted to find, you know, like, make his own immortal army that would follow him, whereas Loria is now just picking and choosing who, which mortal humans they can breed to actually populate the Earth. No... I mean, you know what the sad thing is? Is it's probably freaking Neil Nate. It's probably Eli's semen that's impregnating every oh woman on Earth. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, he walks away with such yeah. a smirk. Yeah. He's like, "This is all part of my plan. I'm going to give stuff. you this. I'm going to give you this thing that's going to make everyone infertile on one condition." I get to be the one I get to the be baby, baby daddy. daddy that donate that makes like every it. man on earth a cuckold because <laughs> I am taking on the legacy Michael. of Michael. I yeah. mean, he's definitely getting his his stuff out there, but I think Alaria getting ultimately the, what, the whole point that I, at least as I see it, is that Alaria is using now they can they control reproduction a hundred percent now across the world. So they're using it to create the best version of humanity. So they test the women, they figure out who is going to be the best genetic match for this woman. To create super babies, season three. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I, I believe um, you know the woman who came in and was talking about how she wants to have a baby and everything like that. She's talking about I have a best life. I have you know me and my husband, and you know I just really want a baby. I'm wondering if it almost you guys ever see um, what was it, The Giver? There's a book. Yeah, I didn't. Wa- I didn't read her to watch the movie. Yeah, Probably, I think I was supposed to read it in middle school, and yeah. I did not. I actually really liked it, but anyway, it was like everybody had different tasks and stuff, and mm-hmm. who you assigned. So it's not like the parents would actually be the biological parents of mm-hmm. said child. But I wonder if, in this case, if they approved of the male as well, that they would let her have a baby. Oh, that's with what I'm her saying. Husband. I think I don't think it has anything about her husband. Like they are picking her based on her viability, and oh, then they okay. are going to give her. A specific man's DNA. Well, that's what I was saying. Which, I didn't know yeah. if they would let them choose if they wanted to have a kid with their spouses or not. But in the future, who knows? I mean, you no. Know. I think Alaria would definitely say, like, no, we're picking the yeah, person. Yeah, you picked apple. a loser to marry. The apple did its trick. You can't have <laughs> a baby with him. So sterilize the male population. Shouldn't have eaten that apple. For the sake right. of predicting oh, something, true. males would be. For the sake dumb. of predicting something, um, we twenty twenty nine. How far away from 30 years later is that? Is that That's from today? It's, so about, that, it's about halfway. In so 15 years. Yeah, so 15 I'm years. assuming if we do pick up for season three, we're mm-hmm. going to be picking up at the 2029 area. We may. I don't know. We've we've talked about it. Um, I think that we probably will not do um, a split time uh, focus again. We won't pop back and forth between future and present uh, like we did this year. It was a lot of fun, but it was kind of onerous. And <laughs> it, it was tough to keep those, those dual timelines going. Um, the effects were awesome, though, whenever they were flipped back and forth to mm-hmm. see the decay of the building and stuff. Yeah, like I thought, that. thanks. I thought our effects people did a great job yeah. with that. And um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I, we haven't decided yet. The only thing I do know is that if we do get a season three, it will be in a different location. There will, there will be all sorts of new stuff going on, but we will truck along all of our uh, our mortality and Alaria backstory with us. Yeah. I would like to really see personally, I mean, I don't know about the fans or you guys, but, you know, so far in these past two seasons, it's always been in a secluded area, and I would really love to see more of, even if it wasn't the whole season, but if they at least had a, a good chunk of the season where it took place in the middle of where you know, civilization is. Things going we, we, down. And we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. yeah like, that's, that's it's, a good notion. like, it's time. <laughs> well, let's jump into, because we talked a lot about, like, our the potential future of the what show. But let's it? talk about this episode. What Don't worry, it? we'll no, get into I have a question that I'm, t- I'm trumping you on. But 
All right, real quick, guys, and okay. then let's actually talk yes. about this episode. Because it's not about this episode. Oh. I wanted to say, whose idea was it for Sergio to die like he did? Because I was just really upset with all the badassity that he's been known for. This crazy-ass Kool-Aid chick is the one who just, like, me. He dies like, like a bitch. Yeah, he did. He died like a bitch. Um, that was, uh, <laughs> uh, poor, poor Mark, I, I, I felt bad. Uh, it, was, it was the worst call that you have to make uh, yeah. an actor. But it felt like the right moment, and we had talked about, uh, as we did with Doreen last year, it's like somebody had to die this yeah. year. Um, and so... Uh, we, we actually purposefully went for something that was not huge and super badass for him because it's like, well, he can't really be dead, can he? That's not possible. Yeah. Sure enough, he was. Do you worry sometimes, though, that TV is slowly becoming that due to things like Game of Thrones? It's like somebody has to die as opposed to like it making sense. It's just somebody has to die. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I, felt, I felt like the thing about this show is it's, it's a dangerous show and there's dangerous things going on. So if everybody lives, that the, the doesn't make cast, sense. It's it's. You can certainly. Other shows have done that. A lot of shows have done that. But it just it, it keeps the danger alive because you don't know in any episode who's going to bite it. And does it ever worry you when you're doing a show like this? And you did talk about how it was difficult to do the separate timelines. Mm. But when you have, it's like when you have two timelines, one in the future and one in the present. You're basically writing two sets of canon for your world. Mm. And in the future, it's very difficult to do that because you're going to be playing back to that because right. if you make any decision in season three that happens before that, you're like, oh, that can't work because this is done in the future. We talked about that a lot uh, and trying to keep the future nebulous enough that we didn't lock ourselves into something in a potential season three that we were going to be like, oh, crap, we can't do that because of, of what we set up in the future already. That being said, yeah, I mean, we're locked into into that as part of our world now and our, our, our you know the future of the show moving forward uh, will have to incorporate all of that for sure. Okay, Zach. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's before we jump into all of this episode, um, I, let's take a quick moment to talk to you guys about iTunes and YouTube and all of the different places that you can go, guys. It does help us out a ton when you go onto iTunes. Hit us with a review and a rating. It makes a big difference. It helps us out at After Buzz TV, but it also, believe it or not, does help the show itself. Helix is trying to get a season three, and social media has become a massive part of that. So. Go on to iTunes. Make sure that you are saying how much you like the show. Go on to YouTube. Tell us how much you like to. Go on to Twitter. Use hashtag RenewHelix. Yep. It's, yep. People are paying attention. It is amazing how much they are paying attention. I am shocked at it. And we get and we get um, reports from the studio and network every week talking about the ratings for the show, but also talking about internet buzz and about Twitter and about how many unique hits there are and stuff yeah. like that. It's now part of the equation for Make it trendy, whether guys. Show. Especially nowadays where half the people don't... I mean, I, I can't tell you. It used to be where everybody had cable and now so many people don't have cable so they find whether it's Hulu or some other form, mm. you know, where it's, you're not going to get the same readings as if everybody's tuning in at the same time. Right. You know, I, it makes more sense that way. Get the fair readings. Not <laughs> many people watch live. Um, I do want to give shout-outs real quick. Guys, if you are watching live or if you're watching this YouTube video Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, if you're not watching live, leave a comment. We love reading your comments. And a lot of you watch it. You just don't leave comments. And we want to read from you. Uh, shout out to Con Mayo, Kendra Black, Mikey Bag of Donuts, uh, Heather Sivo, uh, a few other people, uh, Destiny Morna, and oh, the chat refreshed. You guys are talking a lot, so you deleted all the old oh, comments. You guys. <laughs> um, but so, when we, when we left episode 12, we went to black on who shot who. Right. And we found out it Thanks was Julia who shot, shot Alan. Alan. Yep. <laughs> shot him in the neck. Um, 
Couldn't you shot him anywhere else? Yeah, like the arm that he was holding the freaking gun in. Uh, no one aims for the arm. It's all it's all dead body body oh, shots. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past you guys to shoot him in the nuts, but I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> Couldn't do that to, to poor Alec. <laughs> um, oh, his voice, imagine. I can't even do it. Oh, my nuts! <laughs> but so that effectively knocks Alan down for a while, except mm-hmm. that he, he doesn't want to stay down. Alan wants to go, I guess, burn Mother to the ground. Well, it's great because, saying I called it, sorry guys, totally called it last week, Alan knows what's at stake. He knows that Ilaria is not going to release a Narvik Sea. He knows that everything they've been doing to Julia is playing her right into their palm. And that this is the Narvik Sea, is this uh, mycotic infertility apple. So... Also, I wasn't lost to me the irony that the apple is the apple of Eden, and then like mm-hmm. the two people populate the earth, and now the apple is bringing them back down to a lower. Po- not lost on me. Um, plus the cross and all that, so you gotta get the references. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like he knows of the stakes, so he doesn't care that he's shot. He doesn't care that he's stabbed, beaten up, and all that. He wants to go and he's on a mission. Burn it down. Yeah, yeah I mean, he it would have been, been a waste, though. I mean, all this time with him being undercover at the Abbey and stuff like that. I mean. I think I'd be pretty pissed if that was the way, you know, like after all that that I've been through, all that I've been doing for the past God knows how long since all this started, you know, like, and he is that type of person, you know, so. Yeah. I well, would have been disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I mean, it also, it had to come down to Alan versus Peter mm-hmm. at a certain point, or yeah. her mother. Yeah. And, but Peter in this episode, he is officially, like, if he hadn't already gone off the deep end. Really? Now. <laughs> I said, if he hadn't, okay. he clearly has. Yeah. Um, but now he's like, he lights a ring of fire around his brother. Around, around to, the ring of fire. Um, to, to kill him, but also to, I guess, wipe out the, what's left of Mother. Yeah, so he's he trying can, to He's the it. only one that controls yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So you think that Peter's going to stop Alan from doing it, but then Alan, then uh, Peter lights it anyway because he's already got the samples. So right. He doesn't need anything else. Correct. And he doesn't want anyone taking it else to, you know, create a cure. Yeah. And thinking on this now, too, that we know that uh, Alan developed with Hitaki XVC, was it called? I think? TXM. TXM. Um, Alan's dead in the future, guys. Just saying it right now, because it would make sense that Hataki's only person he can talk to is Alan while they're devising this. Alan is actively experimenting, trying to kill himself. Like, for 30 years, Alan is trying to kill himself. That's why he's immortal at the end of the episode. He's using himself as the guinea pig to create a disease that could kill immortals. And then the reason Hataki went insane is because he's alone on the island, and Alan successfully created a virus that can kill immortals, and it kills himself. I have two things to that. One... He's too big of a character. He's too big. Two, well, part A, part B of one. Too big is to the, fail. Is, yeah, it's too big to fail. And also, <laughs> um, there was uh, the fact that if he wanted to live to survive to make sure it lived out, he could have, if Soren was the answer to the to the thing, he could have just used Soren to, like, while well, he, okay, this is working, I'm dying, boom, take Soren's blood. I use guess that that's true. Fine. Three, uh. or two, whatever number I'm on, I can't count math. Um, when Julia went to the grave, there was, it wasn't him, and she left, he had left a clue, and she said, oh, it's just like Alan to leave me a clue. So it's just too many stories and, and strings along that he's not dead. If there is a season three, I will be highly, highly, highly surprised if, for it, the only reason I can see him not being in season three, if we do get a season three, is that he was busy with another project, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh, we have we do have a question from the chat. Why was Julia looking for the fetus on the island? 
Because she thought that was the cure? Is that kind she, of the... She thought, yeah. She thought that the fetus, that somehow the fetus was the... But what she says um, also when she goes to, to, um, to Michael is she says there was a child. She doesn't say I'm looking for the fetus or yeah. for the baby for a baby. She says I'm looking for a child, and so we kept it very nebulous as to what is she actually, who is she actually looking for? Is it the jar mm. with the baby in it? Is it Soren that she actually has some inkling that he's out there? So we kept hmm, it very yeah. nebulous. Oh, I guess we just we just latched on to yeah. like assuming that it was right. the forever fetus, right. but yeah. yeah. Well, you would exactly. think, though, if she says, I'm looking for a child, I mean, although, because she was saying it to him and he'd been locked up for God knows how long, it might be confusing to him if she said, I'm looking for a man who was a child 30 years ago, like, he might have lost track of time while he was locked up in that thing, so. We kept I mean, it very nebulous on purpose. Yeah, so. So that could play either way. Well, either way, if we're, if we're 15 years in the future or 30, I don't think, I think 15 years would be more safe to say if we include Alan, because we just need his voice. <laughs> yeah, but, I know you hate me. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he's he is at the end of this episode. Alan is immortal. To finish up talking about Alan, yeah. and so and do we still know exactly how or who made him become so? It was Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Basically, the she same way that she yeah. became, she gave him the spinal tap, and in this case, it worked. Okay. Um, well, she was the baby. She was. Oh, she's the baby. Okay, she the, that makes the, sense. She tapped that. Yeah, she tapped. <laughs> she did. <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, <sighs> um. But yeah, so Alan is, and it, he becomes what he hates. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought like, yeah, now you got to pay me child support forever. Like, oh my sorry. god, just really funny. Clearly, <laughs> Sarah can make her own I'm money. I'm just saying, it was Liz. really funny in my She's head. She's a like, world class huh? maternity expert. Uh, um, <laughs> but so for for Alan, it's really the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like this thing that he has built up, it's the thing that he hates more than anything on the planet that he's been working against. He's had a vendetta, and then he becomes exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting place to leave the character yeah. because it's it, dev- it it's devastating. And so we know that yeah, as Lizzie, you were saying, like he was on a mission to kill himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then again, I think you know him. There's a part of me that believes that Alan. Alan, I think at this point, I could see as the only character so far with everything we've been through that I can't see him. Um, Letting his immort- immortality change him and his views on things. Well, that's what I just said. He's on a mission to kill himself. No, still, no, no, but just in general, though, like because all of the characters over time, you know, we see Sarah Jordan now. She's working for Laurie. She always swore up and down she never would. And then you know Julia and it, everybody seemed to have changed once they be, they reached immortality. And I believe that if he, with that being said in everything that we come to show, obviously he'd be changing. But I also believe, like, the reason he wouldn't have killed himself and just let the the thing take over is that he figured somebody has to make sure that this does come to an end. And then I think that he would be like, and then, once I know for a fact everything's gone, then I'll bow out. But see, this is the thing, and I think Alan may fall trapped to the same thing that the Immortals did, in that he... May, he has this goal in life. Like, I'm going to stop the immortals mm-hmm. and, and cure the world of them. Much the way that Ilaria is trying to cure the world of humanity. Mm-hmm. Once he achieves that goal, he's probably going to see something else that he wants to fix on the planet. Yeah. And Alan has such a, a huge ego on him. You think he has a big ego? Oh, yeah. Um, I think he's going to probably wind up saying, like, I'm going to like use Soren's blood cure myself, and then I'm gonna keep saving the world forever because I'm immortal. And he's gonna he winds up trapped in the same circle that he hated. 
The interesting so, thing about immortality, I think, uh, one of the things that has hit every character who is be, who is an immortal or has become immortal, is this notion of what do you do with that time and what do you do with that, that power? Because it really is a power, um, and does it give you? Does it? You then start to feel a responsibility to. I can help the world, or I can take over the world. It, it steers you in one direction or another, but gives certainly gives you more grandiose plans. Yeah. And is that a good thing, or is that just a terrible thing to have that feel that sort of responsibility? Like I have this ability now, and so that somehow makes me able to make those decisions. Yeah, well, it's sort of what Julia brings up mm-hmm. in the end. So, like, let's talk about uh, the future world, the, the future future <laughs> world, uh, the day ten ten nine six three. Because um, Julia wakes up and now she's with Caleb, and we talked about the sword a little bit mm. and the the, the all the RNA sequence, stuff. yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but then what she says at the very end is, if the plague is immortality, then there's only one cure, right? And she elects to die in that moment. Are we to assume at this point that the mycotic disease that the immortals have are not affecting humans? Uh, yes, correct, in the future. Okay, correct. so the future, humans are not infected by correct. the disease that's killing the mortals. Okay. So it's not mycotic. I thought I thought this entire season was the disease was with humans and spread to immortals. Mm. And that's why Julia was trying to find the cure, was because it was killing everyone. Right. Now, we had talked about that, but essentially what we did, once we, once we realized what the, that we wanted to separate the mycosis dealing with the fertility from the disease that killed the mortals and not have them be ah. part of the same thing because it was getting too like okay. one disease and it does all these different things so we definitely separated them out. Combobulated. Yeah. Alright. We use uh, calculated I'm going to use combobulated. So one thing I was definitely wrong on was Yes! Say it. Oh, I don't know. I just you yeah. said you were wrong. So, really you're wrong, usually wrong on so many things. I hate you. Amy <laughs> is not dead. Yes! I thought I, I thought I saw Amy chopped up last episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was her. It was not her. It was just uh, somebody else. It was the uh, CDC or the Coast Guard. Yeah. It was Coast Guard's Commander Winger. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, Landry's the one who dragged Amy's body away at the correct. end of the last episode. Yeah, she's horribly disfigured now. They laughing, are now the perfect couple. But I'm laughing because Except I was just telling um, siblings. Uh, the actress yeah. who played Olivia <laughs> was like, well, you outlived Amy. And I'm like just picturing like, did she give me a facial recognition? Like, yeah, I did. Uh, no, you didn't. No, she didn't. <laughs> so that was Amy. Funny. I, Shout out to Sarah Booth. Yeah, a- Amy can survive apparently anything. She's pretty hardy. Drop her off the bell tower. Yeah. Uh, do we have a caller on the line? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. We might be expecting <laughs> a call excited. from somebody else. We're not sure yet. Uh, it all depends on his schedule. That's okay. Right. No, you didn't tell us even. Well, yeah, because I didn't want to get your hopes up. Is it my birthday surprise? Uh, so Amy, Amy is awoken by Mr. Handry. Uh, his name comes from... Uh, it, fir- it firstly came from giving a hand job and having mm-hmm. his name be Landry, so he named him Handry. But then he really hulked out, so we wanted to combine Hulk and Landry. So we came up with a brand new name for yeah. him, which is hashtag Handry. So... <laughs> Handry is the one who saved Amy. She still hates herself. She still hates him. She's like, why'd you save me? Everything is ruined. I'm ugly now. My eye socket is where my nose should be. I still have nice teeth, though. Glad nobody can take that away from me. What? Yeah. Can I just say, were you guys surprised... I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit. I don't want to, but I was going to say I was actually... Well, let's stick to Amy and Landry. Yeah, but, so... Uh, so Amy's scheming as always, just mm-hmm. to rush through this. Amy's scheming as always. Amy wants to set up Sarah and um and, Matt and Walker. Walker, yeah. yeah. Set up Sarah and Walker mm-hmm. to find this baby that is uh 
Anne's baby. We'll talk about that scene with Anne in just a second. Um, so they go there, and all the toothless hissing ladies are there. <laughs> And that's when Sarah's like, that's my baby! Okay. And they, like, feel sorry for her, and they let her go. And then Amy shows up later. It's well, like, oh, what did the they baby. do? They're talking about the jar in the yeah. other corner. Yeah. Um, Sarah's, or Amy shows up later to find out what they did to him. What did they do to him? They yeah. laid a trap so that they could kill you. Yeah. <laughs> because so, you've had them locked up in a basement for years upon yes. end. I'm just Making picturing babies. them like, um, like shower. I don't know. But I, I like Landry's sort of like plot line in this episode a little bit. Like he he sort of like realize he finally realizes that he's being used. He finds something that'll love him. He he, yeah, come, he yeah. becomes like a like an Igor slash Frankenstein slash like hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. he's my friend. Beautiful. You have no friend. He looks yeah. his his, uh, his makeup effects on one side of his face. He looks like those uh, small short tank dudes from Doctor Who. Like those guys who only do war. Like mm. he looks like one of those oh, guys. Oh, the Centaurans. I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know that because I don't watch enough Doctor Who. But, so he runs off with a baby because he's like, I got my little friend. I'm going to mm. raise this guy. So that's storyline number one for season three. <laughs> yeah. That is well, the most important story. He went back into the Burning Abbey at the end. So Yeah, he gave, yeah. He gave the baby back to his gave mom. gave it to his mom and said... Like bye bye, mama. He gave the baby back to Anne. That's why Anne yeah. had. Oh, going had, home. Right. Oh, I didn't see where he ran into. He, he ran into. The it building. was like right yeah. outside of the building. It was yeah. burning. She's like, "No, come back, Landry." And he's like, "No," and he yeah, runs back. I must go home. Where uh, are you going? Home. So my one prediction Landry was kind of right home. that one of the characters turns into a baby machine where they pull her teeth out and they put her in one of those things. I don't know if they put her in one of those things, but I'm assuming. Well, no, because everything was fire and they all died. No, they all died. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> that's the plan. Anyway. Hey, but they were going to. They pull her yeah. teeth. Out. She pulled their teeth out. This was a little, little, paper. little vengeance. Yeah. Little vengeance. <laughs> I wouldn't say that they could really get back into society after what they've been through. So no, I'd say well, maybe many, 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 many years of therapy. Some like what do they call many those? Years. The veneer, veneers, you know. Some, uh, I don't think they want to have kids anymore, right? though. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, and the scene with Anne and Amy. Uh, yeah, that was. I love Severn Thompson so much. <laughs> she is phenomenal. She is. And I also love. Uh, Amy, why is the name escaping me right now? I, she's gonna kill me because she. Allison? Yeah, Allison Louder, yeah. She, sorry, Allison, don't kill me. Um. They should do it. They have such great chemistry on camera. I'm really sad that we're never gonna see that again. Well, unless they find another show together, but. Yeah. 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 Or they're just yeah, in a memory fighting with one another, like for somebody else. <laughs> but that was season. a very powerful scene because hmm. it. You think that Anne is actually manipulating her, but at the same time, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Even though she really just is stepping into the exact same thing with Eli again. Right. Yeah. But the way but she, she says it Eli. is completely true. Yeah, she mm-hmm. did create Eli. Yeah. She wrote the book on I want. I want to do a spin-off Aww. show. I want to do a spin-off show with just Eli and and, and going oh, off. Yeah. Uh, Can we do a spin-off yeah. show with Neil like Napier and uh, Stephen Weber, and they're just like back to back doing like a game <laughs> show? Yeah. Twin, twinsies. The nice. three of them on a road trip together oh my God. would be a fun... They're fighting for the love of Jerry Ryan. Um, <laughs> and Anne's the like quiet girl that nobody respects, but they learn to love throughout have, the road trip. We get Olmec nice. back from the Great Temple, and then we can have the Oubliette make an appearance. Yes! How did Olmec get it? doesn't into- matter. <laughs> um, but so, Jaguars! At, by the end, Anne and Peter have made it. They're among the group that gets rescued yeah. by the Marines. Who was taking Peter away, though? 
That was that was um uh Alarm, it was, did he see? No, no, it was, that was um, the police. Uh I want to say Department of Defense, but that's not it. It was the people it's who the people who hired Kyle to um But yeah. they hired him to investigate yeah. Alan, not right. Peter. So they're taking right. Peter anyway? Well what happened is Kyle has twisted the evidence and told a little bit yeah. of a lie to get Peter arrested and not Alan. Yeah. Okay. He's basically I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. Kyle's figured out at this point. This is what happened. I know who the the good quote unquote good guys are, right. and or at least who the bad guys are. It's like getting out for tax else. evasion. It was like, oh, you want to know who blew up the Elaria building in Paris? It was Doctor Farragut. The other one. There you go. Yeah. But then the uh, uh, doctor, double my cot, Dick Texas, gives up the safety deposit box as well, and the right. woman has a really sketchy looking face on when she's leaving. So I'm assuming she's a bad guy. So not necessarily, not necessarily. She, he, he, what he did is he took the evidence that he got from Alan that's in that safety deposit box. So that was and the, he's using it against Peter instead. Okay, ah. so he wasn't. Okay, the evidence of of how he blew how Alan blew up Laria is in there. Is in that safety deposit box. So all he has to say is no, that was Peter. Yeah, I got that from Peter, not from Alan. And got it. Trust right. him on it. Right. Sorry, yeah. I don't know how I missed that. It's it's a little it's a little it subtle a in there, yeah. In and there's episode. a lot happening. In there. <laughs> the, that day fourteen scene goes real quick. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of storylines yeah. flying. At okay. You. Yeah. Um, but we did have like so, Doctor Summers. Uh, did have he had a, he has a nice little almost like a dad moment mm-hmm. in this yeah. episode because yeah. he's like he's very protective of Soren Call One, of Duty Four, yeah. which that kid should not be playing Call of Duty Four. No, he's he just gone he really through shouldn't. a massive traumatic no. experience. Yeah. You put him Probably on not. like Spyro for like the original PlayStation. No, <laughs> you're gonna give that kid a PlayStation Four and The Last of Us. I, I, I don't know that <laughs> So he can relive. He, he would kill him. He's immune. Like He's literally yeah. the girl just, from Last of Us. Just give him Pac-Man and Frogger yeah, for a little while. Then, look, you start him on Pac-Man, sooner or later he's drinking Bud Light. That's all I'm saying. The commercial they did with Pac-Man. Don't give anyway. free advertising. Okay. Um, so moving so, yeah, on. So, but I mean, I, There While was a great moment where Peter like catches up to him and it's uh, like, because Soren just ran away because he got mad and stabbed Peter yes. in the leg. He's like, I hate you. You killed my Stab. Yeah. yeah. But I'm laughing at how Peter took it like like looking at, at uh, Kyle and just being like, you know, you should watch it. Like, it's almost, it was almost like a person complaining on the streets like, hey, your kid just slammed into me and knocked my bag out of my hand. You should really watch what they're doing. You know, like, that was the Is level of true? him complaining. Did you stab Did him? Did you stab him? <laughs> this, was another, this was another element talking about how it's trying to look at everything Peter's done mm-hmm. that's like super evil to gain respect, but in the end he's still just a bitch that gets slugged in the face. And yeah, he's, I just, like I he, my little kid. Yeah. Like he falls like ah! <laughs> like that was kind of like he just gets knocked out by Doctor Delmacotte, Texas. Because he's like even both both Neil and just the character himself were just like completely ripped and like I can climb the obliate and da 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 and it's like little kid step. No, well it's funny because. Okay, it's it's no secret that Neil Napier is not the tallest of actors. <laughs> in, in most scenes, you play that with he looks very tall, he looks strong yeah. and powerful because yeah, the dude's yeah. jacked, like yeah. the dude oh, is yeah. ripped. But in the scenes where you need it to play to your advantage, you make him look like he's just like getting like, knocked rah! out of the way, like it's nothing. Well, even even jack guys can get knocked out. Yeah. So yeah. you know. The yeah. only scene where you can Kyle actually kill. tell is when he's next to Alan, but that's because he's like six foot something. Yeah, Alan's really, I'm really tall. Oh, <laughs> that's a really cool Alan's really tall. point yeah. from Heather Sebo in the chat roll that the safety deposit box was number 274, yes, it was. which was the title of an episode in season one. Ah. And now I'm like, call back. Oh, my head hurts. 
Was that just a, a little in So, no, so does Antonio for FedEx. Okay. Yeah. But there's not, not, not a direct, no. not a direct meaning to no. read into there. All Everyone right. wants to know was the date on the Katana August 15th? The date, there was a date on the Katana that was August 15th. That's, that's actually some really good, someone did their translation. Wow. Um, it ties into some storyline that we had in the show and then we've ended up pulling back on. Oh, really? So it is, it is definitely a date that is can, part of our storyline. Can we just say it's the release of the sterilization prior? Oh, I like. There, that's, that's nice. what everyone's saying. <laughs> the release of the what? The, oh, the sterilization, sterilization fruit, food. Like so, was the whole point of kind of Alaria Fresh, like, Hi guys, we're solving world hunger. We're gonna basically give food to everyone and at the same simultaneously sterilize the entire globe. Or is this just happening in certain countries? Or yeah. no, it's the whole it's the whole globe. And and uh, you know w- what we wanted to do at the beginning of the season, we talked about taking a multinational corporation, a, a food producing conglomerate, and having them. It's like, look, we're doing good stuff. We're making good food. We're making food safer, and it do- the apples don't turn brown. And and what is the really insidious part of that? How yeah. how evil could we make that? Also, as a, a curious point because I was thinking to myself, I wonder why the immortals at Alaria wouldn't show themselves and I think, well, there could be like a really big backlash, like, oh my god, like forever people, like no, kill them, kill them. Hmm. But then at the same time, how society hasn't put two and two together by like, wait, hmm, everybody, all the dudes have become infertile. Why is this? Oh, it happened as soon as this company came up with this fruit. So why there wouldn't be a backlash against that somehow is also confusing well, to me. Alaria, it's something they can kind of get into in season three too. That would be really Alaria fun. Is a big multi, like, like you're saying, it's a multinational <laughs> conglomerate. They have like their fingers everywhere in politics of, in, of every country, I don't know why I in different like companies. I think it'd probably be pretty easy for them. They probably put it into place where anybody that starts to put those pieces together gets crushed by them. Like the story gets crushed, yeah. or they will get literally crushed under a trash compactor or something. Well, Laurie's got their fingers everywhere. Just yeah. putting yeah. chains and locked away for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's basically, the whole show is just a warning about Monsanto. Pretty much. It's what, yeah. <laughs> it's what we're getting. And Monsanto is no, run we by immortals. To, we definitely wanted to play that. Um, and, and not necessarily to, to vilify the whole process, but just to say, okay, here's a potential dark road that you could be going down. Yeah. With, okay. uh, with like, GMOs and yes. everything being so right. prominent in the news. Right. So can I ask a question real quick? And nope. you feel free to answer if you want, Steve. I know you probably can't. Where do you guys see this event happening? Or should I say, when do you see this event happening that causes everyone to be immortal? 500 immortals. When do you see this event and where? Um, I, I don't want to answer that exactly because we may play it if we get <gasps> season three. We actually wrote a storyline that was the immortality um, backstory Sweet. and how they became immortal. Um, and it, it tied back to the island and we had this whole thing and then we said, you know what? It's This is too soon. Was it like it's a fountain soon. of youth or something? Um, it, 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 a, 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 not a Could literal be. fountain of youth, but we did talk about an event and a thing that happened um, going way back. It's clearly, we also did the flashback with Michael going back to the 1500s. I think it was 1500s. Yeah. And so it, it had to predate that, but yes, there was an event that happened and that's where the 500 Immortals came from. Yeah. Okay, so and it, it, tracing on that too, whatever this event is, again, without giving too much away, um, there are obviously so many people, both of different ages, different nationalities, and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Is this an event where it was a collective, it happened at one spot, or it happened collectively throughout the world? In our minds, it was something that happened at one spot, and we had a great explanation okay. for it all, cool. and we didn't get like, to show Like, I want to know what Hitake so. was doing, yeah. chilling at 1500 exactly. with this guy. Yeah. I'm all. like, for some reason, I'm kind of thinking, like, time travel. And I, I know that's, like, so out there. Yeah. 
But when you when you look at a position, you have you have white people, you have black people, you have mm-hmm. Arabs, you have every race and nationality represented right. within these five hundred. It would need to be a microcosm of certain people. Um, five hundred's a lot, so maybe even a colony like what was on Saint Germain's Island. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Saint yeah, Germain yeah. as this place where crazy stuff's happening, it could become the last safe haven on Earth. Yeah. Um, well, again, and then you and have- they're trying to guide the humans towards something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, there's the technology that they don't have the ability to create at this point in time. Right. But if they had it later, and then they went back in time, and there's only five hundred of them left because they know where overpopulation can go. They're trying to guide the human race, and aliens. If they control the, if they control the, we have talked about all these various options. Um, I can tell you right now, it's not time travel. Good. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I, I'm wrong. My, my crazy thought would be um, to tie it somehow to there's this there's this theory amongst people who are like deep into the psychic community mm-hmm. um, that there are certain part certain places across the globe that are. Just psychic hot spots, yeah. like sure. just mm-hmm. that one spot, like and, aliens mm-hmm. and ghosts, or not even just aliens, stuff. but like but it has like things. a deep, like it, like New Orleans is supposed to be one of those mm-hmm. spots, or like it's somewhere in the south at least, um, and that and it's just psychic abilities are stronger there. I wonder mm-hmm. if there's something where like that's why you get people from different races, religions, and yeah. creeds all coming together. If those psychic things bring them together either via teleportation yeah. Well, that's what's or... interesting, too, because interesting, yeah. do, did we ever specify exactly how many years ago they became? No. How many th- no, they we didn't. So yeah. that's the thing I'm saying is if this was, it had to be at least, I think one of them mentioned he was a Viking, so I'm assuming it could be thousands of years ago. But again, where in a place was there a Japanese guy, this right. woman on Alaria who made the chicken, she was like Indian descent. You know, you have the white guy, you have this uh, guy. I mean, there's just, and children. So yeah. that's what I'm like, oh, no, I need to know. Give me your phone. <laughs> the only the only other kind of explanation I can think of is going back to one of the theories I had in the first season was, you know, the Greek god theory, but if you tie that yeah. in mm. among all other historical figures, like and if you look at... what they're saying is it happened collectively yeah, in one I, spot. I know. I'm saying if you, if you tie that in with, let's say there was a complete civilization that was overpopulating the Earth, but everyone was an immortal. Let's but. look at an entire world full of immortals. Mm. They drive it towards, through technology or through whatever means that everyone becomes immortal... And then a disease decides that it's going to wipe them out. And a colony of people, like the colony on St. Germain's, because of some mutation, because of what they were eating, like the apples, survives the disease that turns everyone, that turns people into humans or kills them. So the rest of the world is breeding as humans. They're the only immortals. And then they go back to their families. They go back to their uh, prospective countries. And like they have to watch people die. Well, then they realize what's happened. And all the technology that they have or anything they do is mistaken as magic. It's mistaken as a god. It mm-hmm. goes back to all these cultures Just like, throughout the like centuries. Michael, yeah. And exactly. So Michael's like a microcosm of that. Yeah. And then they're just basically, one person cannot start a technological revolution. If you come out of the gate with technology that's too powerful for your time, people either steal it from you, kill you, or you're never heard from again. Yeah. So if you look at those people, that's why Ilaria was formed for the survivors of those 500 to be able to thrive and guide humanity towards where it was again without making the same mistakes that they made as their civilization. Beautiful point. Close. I'm just going to say I'm going to totally... Close. Interesting. I, I like that. Say. I like that theory. I've always loved the, the 
fact that they would be considered the grit they would be the basis for the Greek yeah. gods mm-hmm. and the Egyptian gods and the Chinese like all the different gods of yeah. different kinds. It could even be like the ancestors that the Chinese and Japanese culture talk well, about. Well it could even be the pharaohs there. Yeah. Like why would you have a tomb that's so gigantic if you're a pharaoh? Well maybe because you're still alive down there. <laughs> like maybe the first of Futurama where Bender has like a casino. Yeah, it's like well maybe it's cause like, you know, me and the other pharaohs who are also silverized because we're late and stuff, like maybe we just want to chill for the next century entry or two, figure out how do we get ourselves out of this pickle. We need some time nice. away from people. Can I just say, as a guy, I'm going to miss you, and mostly mostly, Stephen, just that entire theory, you're a very smart, intelligent person, but I love how you always say 100 Hundred. Um, they well, say they never gave a date, but the immortals were made around five hundred years ago. I don't think that's true. I think it's they, there was never really a they date. They never specified. We did. I think we did actually talk about. Uh, I think Gunner says in season one says something about five hundred years. I'm trying to remember. Uh, he definitely but, says he was a Viking. Yep. Yeah. Which wouldn't. But he, that wouldn't be five hundred years. No, that would be longer. That would be longer ago. So I'm trying to remember if we had actually made it in dialogue if it was cut. I feel like it was five hundred years from something, but yeah. I don't think that was the date of the event. I yeah. think no, there you was, know what? I don't. No, no. We're, I'm thinking about five hundred immortals. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was saying. There, there was some. I think so he of, said there was something five hundred years ago. Hataki, right. Hataki was five hundred and thirteen in season one years old. Ah, that was it. Hataki's age. So. Yeah. Who knows? We'll yeah. see. Either way. Yeah, but there's there's so many questions. We still don't know if immortals can get together and have immortal children. We don't know like what the deal is with that. So there's so many yeah. questions. Guys, we're out of time. Yeah, ah! sadly, that's going to do it for this season of Helix. Here after Buzz TV. Helix. Everybody, hashtag please. S- Steve, anything you want to say to the fans, to the oh, audience? Just thank you so much for watching. It's been a real kick, and I hope we get to do it again. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you're working on in the meantime, or just waiting um, to hear? Just waiting to hear right now, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. If, if cool. not, on to the next. If Helix does not get picked up, are you going to try to get involved in the new X-Files? Oh, I would love it. I, I, all I know about the new X-Files is what I've heard. Um, I haven't gotten a call or anything like that, so I would love hint, it. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah. what, what have you heard? <laughs> I know, just that it's there, that it exists. So I'll where, be watching just like everybody else. Well, where can the people keep up with you? In the um, meantime, uh, at Steve Maeda on Twitter, um, yeah, is so the best check place. there for yeah. Helix Stuff. season three rumors Stuff. and potential yeah. news. Um, but that's thank you so guys so much for joining us this thank season you. once yeah, again. Helix season two. Liz, where can people keep up with you? Uh, you guys, I don't know. I'll be floating about here and there if I f- pick up a project, but you can always uh, reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Lizzie Maui. That's L-I-Z-Z-Y-M-A-W-Y. Stephen Lemieux. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. And I do want to just take a second. Thank you again, Steve Maeda, for coming in. Thanks to all our special guests we had this season. Shout out to Sarah Booth, Tiffany Greshler, Severin Thompson, Allison Louder, Mark Anime, Neil Napier. Uh... Tons more. I can't even name them all right now because I'm so Can bad. But shout out to everyone from season one, too. Thank you for being a part of the Helix After yeah, Show. Yeah, thank you guys TV. so much for joining us. Uh, guys, I'm Zach Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-L, Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. I'm screwing up my That's the name. first time you've messed it up. I know, right? Um, but you can also follow, you can also catch me here on uh, on AfterBuzz. I'm doing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show on Tuesday nights. And starting Wednesday, we're going to be talking about Daredevil. Two episodes a week. Be Grim. sure to join us. Guys, and in Grimm, there's a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I'm Zach Wilson. Thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.